Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello. <laughs> hello, friends. Hello to my friend Sterling Holmes. Uh, hello to all hello. of our... <laughs> Do I have a reverb going on? You're fine. Matt Connor is here on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We're golden right here. I am Sterling Holmes. lot to get into today. We're going to do a fun game, fun game called Myth versus Reality. We have about eight questions Matt and myself are going to get to. We're going to talk about the Orlando Brown extension and the training camp report. Matt Connor has a lot to touch on there, as well as getting into responding to NFL.com's seven-round league-wide redraft. It's a win-now mode, but there were some very, very big surprises. Before we get into all of that, I want to give a shout-out to our number one sponsor, KC Beer Co., best beer out there they brew with only four ingredients malt hops water yeast Uh, they've done it with the german purity laws of 1516 you better believe i housed these i housed these like joey chestnut was housing hot dogs in that competition no i didn't have 63 but with the heat drinking six felt like 63 dude I, the good the only good news t- today right here i have my kc beer going on to keep me company folks sorry about the early early uh craziness i had like a technological loop within a loop within a loop like i was hearing like three of me and even when the windows were closed i don't know it's like 100 degrees in here everything's going crazy even like I, do you I, smell like, toast do you smell toast matt we <laughs> might need to call the cops dude I don't, I don't know what's going on. It's like even my cactus is like, dude, do something about this place. It, I'm like a televangelist in here, and I'm seeing like ghosts and spirits and demons. All right, here we go. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry, everyone, for the technical issues there. Thanks for Sterling for uh, for carrying that through. So, uh, yeah, this is, a cr- uh, this is a time where I'm uh, – we thought we'd play a little bit of myth and reality, like Sterling said, with the show coming up, but – Before we do, I don't know if you guys saw the NFL.com did a seven round NFL redraft, right? Like the kind of thing where you're like, I'm playing Madden and I'm drafting whatever team I want, right? Seven full rounds of, of, uh, you know, every team getting to do what they want. And they use the current draft order. And somehow even the Jacksonville Jaguars being the moribund franchise that they are being the bottom, the runt of the litter, if you will, they can't even get a fantasy draft where everyone's available. Everyone's available. They still go Aaron Rodgers at number one. Then Tom Brady goes at number two. And then Patrick Mahomes goes at number three. And look, we'll get to some chiefs related things. We'll get to whatever, but this had the NFL world talking today. And I guess I just went, I wanted to ask you Sterling, if you were redrafting, and building a franchise out of like nothing, all players are made free agents. Would it even remotely occur to you to take a 40 or 40 ish year old quarterback if you have even the top, I don't know, 10 picks, 15 picks? I mean, like, what are you doing there? Okay. It does say, Matt, win now. Okay. 
It says win now. This is not a future situation. This is a one year win now situation. It's still the wrong move. It's still it's still the wrong move. I, I get it. Age does not matter necessarily in this draft. You can make a case for Aaron Rodgers with the the MVPs, right? But Tom Brady seems like a massive stretch. And even with Aaron Rodgers doing what he has done over the past couple seasons, I'm still rolling with Mahomes. And frankly, I might even still throw Josh Allen at number two. I, I just feel like this was Rodgers at one. Feels like someone trying to make a headline. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, I, I understand it's one year. Doesn't matter about the future type scenario, but I'd be hard pressed to go with anyone going over Mahomes and anyone going over Josh Allen. First off, Rodgers without Devontae Adams, going to be interesting. You can say Mahomes without Tyreek Hill, but what has Mahomes done without Tyreek Hill? Limited sample size, but he has produced. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was a little baby. Yeah. I was, I, you know, I was kind of okay with Rodgers compared with Tom Brady at two. I'm going to be honest, even in, even in a even in a single season fantasy redraft, Tom Brady is not one of my five quarterbacks I'm looking at at, at the top. I mean, I mean immediately I'm thinking Josh Allen, immediately I'm, I'm maybe even Joe Burrow like John just said. Joe Burrow was four by the way. Justin Herbert, you know, should be up there. I I just don't I don't you know, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I I think he makes them competitive. I think he's a top six to 10 for sure. But if you got the number two pick, the the whole thing to me was just a funny exercise. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be anti Homer now, but like someone took like Travis Kelsey at number what, 22 or 23. Right. And then George Kittle at 25. And I'm thinking like, who's building a franchise with your tight end as your first overall pick? Like, like who are, who are these people picking? Like, it's like they're picking the NFL top 100 list in the same draft order versus like thinking I'm going to draft a team. Like what, like as good as Travis Kelsey is, are you taking him with a top 20, 25 pick? Are you taking him with your first pick to build your team? No. For one year, again, Matt, you got to have the caveat here. We're not building for the future. It's building for one year. I'm not taking Travis Kelsey realistically at 23. It's got to be a quarterback or it has to be an edge. That's my personal opinion. Right. Tyreek Hill went at 15, which was above someone like Cooper Cup. Uh, Tyreek Hill is a fantastic player, but would you draft Tyreek Hill at 15? No, but I would draft him before I would Kelsey, just for the sake of like I'm building a team for the success I want. But I'm but for sure I'm probably going in the trenches. I'm going quarterback, and then I'm starting to think about my pass catchers. So the team taking a two teams taking a tight end in the first round, you're like, uh, uh, okay. I mean, I'm glad you have an elite tight end, but but what's happening here? I mean, Jonathan Taylor, to put it in perspective, was drafted 31st overall. Ain't no chance anyone is drafting a running back in the first round. Right, right. I mean, I get, you know, this is just a, a weird thought exercise, but, you know, I mean, it is the early July. So this is why we're talking about this. And by the way, Devontae Adams was, I see a question, who was the top wide receiver drafted? Devontae was 14. Tyree Kill was the second wide receiver taken overall at 15. And I believe there's only one other wide receiver taken in the first round, Jamar Chase. Yeah, I can understand like an elite wide receiver, maybe if you're going to pick late and then you're, you know, you're okay with a guy falling, a quarterback falling into the second round or something. But yeah, I don't know. I, it, I, I read it. And then with each pick I'm reading, I'm just thinking, wait, what? Wait, what? 
I mean, or or I'm also thinking, oh, I love the guy, but come on, like it was like it was eliciting these responses for me, for me even like, how could you reach? Who would reach for that guy? Or oh, I love that guy, but that's too hot. Like it was just kind of this weird mix of I don't know. It's early July. We're way too amped up about this. I'm way too amped up about this. I don't know. Chris Jones also came in at number 32. So that was the Chiefs of the first round, or at least Chiefs who were on the roster, including Tyree Kill. That's the way it went. That brings up something interesting to me. You know, by the way, Chris Jones at 32. Chris Jones as as the cornerstone, you know, one of the best defensive linemen in football. All this stuff, and I'm sure we'll end up talking about it in myth versus reality. But is there like what's what I what sentiment do you have when I bring this up? Like what sentiment do you have when I say the idea of the need at edge? Like is Chris Jones going to rise to kind of to kind of take that deficit and and reduce it like that need? Is it really not so dependent on Frank Clark to stay healthy because Jones is that much of a game wrecker in the middle? Like, like, like what do you, what do you say about his presence in the middle of a line um, where Edge is termed as such a great need? I think that Chris Jones is a game wrecker, but he needs help. There's really only handful of guys, Bosa brothers, Aaron Donald, that really don't need help at all, right? TJ Watt, Chris Jones is a game wrecker, but he needs help. He needs someone who can get after the quarterback or at least alleviate some of some of that pressure. Chris Jones does demand double teams, maybe not as much as Aaron Donald, but when teams playing for the Chiefs defense, they go, who can't beat us? Chris Jones, at least on the line. It's Chris yeah. Jones. They'll say Frank Clark go one-on-one. They'll say Mike Dana go one-on-one. It, Derek Nottie, whoever, whoever else you want to throw on that line, they're okay going one-on-one with those guys. They'll point to Chris Jones and say, he cannot beat us. If there was someone else on this line, Chris Jones would have a lot more one-on-one situations. He's not had that opportunity. I think Chris Jones is a game wrecker. I still think he's a top three interior defense alignment. I don't think it makes a massive difference whether he's a D tackle or a D end as far as where the pressure comes from. As long as there's pressure on the quarterback, that's what truly matters. If you're going to say the straight or the quickest way to a quarterback is a straight line, there you go. Chris Jones coming to the middle. But he just needs some help to, I think, go back to the numbers we've come to expect to see from Chris Jones. Bonus question before we move on. Is George Karloftis the gift that Chris Jones has been waiting for up front. I hope so, but that's a, and I like George K right before the draft. I said, I was really in on George Karloftis. That's a lot to ask of a guy as a rookie. I mean, that's a lot. I hope he is. And I think George Karloftis will be a impact player. He'll, he'll start week one. I think he's one of the most day one game one ready edge players, but that is still a lot to ask a guy as a rookie to come in and say, you are now our best edge player and the second best player on the defensive line. Come on now, step up. It's your time to shine. That's a lot to ask. Yeah, I don't disagree. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by, at the very least, Chris Jones has to be saying, oh, we haven't had a first round pick in an in a r- edge rusher. Like that has to help at least, right? Yeah, no, 100%. So, uh, Sterling, I want to ask you this, and even this to our listeners who are kind of with us in the chat and whatnot. July is a slow month for every NFL team, and and the truth is, you want it to be. <laughs> you don't like you don't want your players making news in July because that means they're getting arrested or suspended or something like that. But in terms of moves this month, what we're going to see is probably definitely an extension for Orlando Brown coming up in the next within the next ten days. That's the window. 
And then at the end of the month, what, the 28th or so, we have training camp and the guys will report to St. Joe. Between those two, are we going to see the Chiefs make any other moves on the transaction wire in the month of July? Would you say, like, if I set the if I set the over under at zero, like, I don't know how you go under there. <laughs> will we? See, you can tell I bet a lot. If I set yeah. the over under at zero, do you think we're going to see at least one more transaction in the month of July? Big ones, no. I'll, I'll go ahead and say, if I, do we see a, a bigger name? I would say no. If do we see a smaller name potentially? I just don't see a bigger name happening. You and I talked about this briefly last week, if I'm not mistaken. We talked about how the Chiefs have the if they extend Orlando Brown Jr. the capital monetarily as well as the draft capital to make a mid-season trade happen that seems like the most likely scenario i feel like the kansas city chiefs go in with this as the plan a maybe not a great plan a but what they're hoping for is the rookies get some experience and then mid-season with all that draft capital that's the time they can go out and actually make a move whether that's a splash or not i don't think it necessarily matters because there's got to be an upgrade out there somewhere to make this D-line better. Yeah, John F. asks in the chat, what about a trade could happen, eh? And, and you know, like that's what you just mentioned. It could happen in the preseason. I think that Brett Veach and his staff are going to sit perched on the lookout, like, you know, surveying the NFL. If a team makes a shocking cut, you know, of course you you make a move. If a team floats a name on the, on the, uh, the training block, you never know what rookie – is going to stand out in training camp and force another team to make a hard decision. Like, well, do we go with the young guy and save a little bit of money if we, you know, you never know. Um, but really, it makes the most sense to me and, and what you just said. Let's wait. Let's wait on the deadline. Let's get to a point where we've actually played some very real games, uh, and then we can go after that. So, yeah, I, I think we may see some minor transactions. I don't think we'll see Carlos Dunlap. I don't think we'll see... Do you? Do you think we see Dunlap? Do you think we see Okafor? Do you think we see Griffin? Any of those guys coming to Arrowhead this month? No. I, Dunlap, Griffin. I prefer not Okafor. I know he knows the system, but what has Okafor shown? Right. I guess the hope is do the young guys show? If they don't, the Chiefs have the capital to make something happen. Do I agree with it? Kind of. Because I don't know what Dunlap really has left in the tank. What does Cliff Averill really have left in the tank? If you want to go with, can Malik Herring show you anything? He's on a rookie contract. That would be huge. Can Joshua Kando? Again, I'm not high on these guys. When Joshua Kando was drafted, I, I was said that this is not a player that I, I think is going to succeed in this system. It's almost like the Royals drafting pitchers, right? They've shown no affinity for any sort of development when it comes to drafting and, and developing pitchers. The Chiefs with the edge players. At least in recent memory, what have we seen? There's not been much development there. Yeah, no, it's been uh, it's kind of been one sad story after another. You hope things are different now, and and you hope you know we knew that Josh Kando was going to be a red shirt. We knew it going in. Anyone who mentions Malik Herring is is overly optimistic. I mean, that's an undrafted free agent from last year. I mean, you know, that's a that's a nice story if it happens, and and. And it's not supposed to happen. So that's the way that goes. You know, but but Karloff just certainly looks like the curveball here from Veach. Like the guy who's not not even a project. He's gonna come in, he's gonna do the work, he's gonna be he's gonna be ready with the with the a floor that you need and, and you hope that there's more there. But yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Can you please give me an Orlando Brown Jr. update and keep it short? I can't talk about this anymore. I, one week, okay? One week 
what's 10 days away. And then we'll actually know at some point, I'm just like, shit or get off the pot. I want something to happen. Just either, either let me know he's coming back. It's an extension. Let me know if it's a franchise tag or just say, you know what? The chiefs have not come to terms. They're going to have to come up with a new plan and they're moving on. I mean, it's going to happen. It's only a matter of time. You just got to wait. I'm not patient. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's tough because you just you want it to happen. You want to see the numbers. You want to take a look at the roster after he gets settled in. I think a lot of people are are waiting, uh, thinking, oh, you know, there's no news. Maybe this means that the Chiefs have like cold feet. It's like we're all sitting in the wedding chapel and no one is like showing up up front and you're reading into the waiting going, well, the wedding's supposed to start in in 10 days and no one's here yet. Is Does that mean the bride is getting cold feet? Is uh, Did Orlando Brown Jr. meet someone else? You know, what's happening? I just think there's no way. We've talked about this a hundred times. Uh, the NFL deadline is July 15th. Uh, that's when something has to happen. We got 10 more days, folks. So if you think it's going to be, uh, if you think it's long now, just wait another 10 days. It's it's kind of funny how long these things can feel, but that's the nature of summer. Uh, he's going to be very well paid. He, uh, it's going to look hefty. They're, that's going to make a lot of people pissed. Like it's their money. Like it's your money. I'll say it that way. But yeah, it's going to happen. And and we just got to be patient. Okay. I like Orlando Brown Jr. We've gone over this a lot of times. I'm not yeah. actually being mad, but now it's kind of fun playing the villain role of, of being upset by this. So you're the heel. You're the heel. Well, he, he's Eric Fisher. He's the completely different style of player than Eric Fisher. They get it done different ways. It's, it's, it's giving top five, top three money to Eric Fisher. There we go. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes insomnia brain fog moodiness or weight gain you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging the experts at midi health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause and MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So let's get into it. I want to play our game. 
What do you say, Matt? You want to play our little little myth or reality game here? Let's uh, let, let's uh, let's do it. I love it. Myth okay. versus reality. Chiefs secondary ends up being in the top ten in the majority of defensive metrics slash numbers. Ooh, um, I'm going to call that a myth. Not because I think the Chiefs secondary is going to be bad, but I mean top ten. Hey, your dog thinks so, dude. Your dog thinks they're going to be – your dog got pissed at me just for saying that. My dog got pissed right now. He goes, what the hell, Matt? I apologize dude, for that, but he dude, obviously dog, has strong feelings on the Chiefs secondary. Dude, it's like your dog is named Legarius and was just like, what the hell, man? What the hell? What the hell? I'm a good – I'm a top 10 dog. What the hell are you talking about? Hey, look, the Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs secondary is young. There's a ton of transition there. I mean, you lose Charverius, you lose Tyron, you lose Mike Hughes, you lose Dan Sorensen. I mean, some of that can be good losses, but it's still a ton of snaps to lose. Joshua Williams has to figure out whether he can play at the pro level. Jalen Watson has to figure out if he can add something. Brian Cook has to make the same transition. Hell, Trent McDuffie has to make the same transition. if If they're an average secondary, if they're like number 15, that's a good year because you've established a very young and inexperienced secondary that they can be okay. And I'm okay with that. I think the potential is there for a very good secondary, but pl- but learning on the fly in this, I, it, for this Chiefs team against this regular season slate, it's going to be tough sledding, man. This is, they play a lot of great quarterbacks. Yeah, I think there's top 10 talent but I don't think the numbers will show that. So I'm calling it myth. I think the majority of the reason why no pass rush, if the chiefs get a ton of pressure, I think we could see this chief secondary that is young, talented, athletic, although inexperienced show. I just don't see it happening with this current pass rush. Yeah. Sterling, I got one for you. Let me ask this myth or reality. 32 general managers were dumb for not drafting Justin Ross. Oh man. I, I, Reality, I, I I don't want to say they're dumb because there's a lot of injury concerns, but I'm shocked that no one took a seventh round draft pick on him. I am I'm shocked, man. You, you had to like really think about that for a minute. You had to like really wonder what was going on. And I, I've been labeled the Justin Ross hate train. That's not the case at all. I'm just surprised. Like, I'm surprised the talent has been shown at times, right? It's the injury concerns, and there's a lot of injury concerns, but I'm surprised no team that's in desperate need of a wide receiver would not take a shot on the upside in the seventh round. Yeah, I kind of have to agree with you uh, in that way. All, well, although there's a part of me, too, that understands, I mean, that injury history – there's been nothing recent in the body of work. I mean, I, I get the excitement, and I get why that why someone would deflate that excitement balloon. I, I'm kind of torn on that. I don't I don't know how to answer my own question. Uh, I'll call it a, a real myth. Yeah, that's how we'll leave that. I don't know. That's a that's a that's a coward's way out. I'm sorry to take it. C E H has the most rushing yards on the team, but by a wide margin, not just 20 yards. I'm talking a wide margin. No, it's totally reality. That's complete reality. I could care less about Ronald Jones. I could care. I mean, I like Jared McKinnon. Maybe Isaiah Pacheco turns into something. Derek Gore is not even really registering for me in the long term. I've been bullish on Clyde Edwards-Elair this entire offseason. I think uh, he even told us a few months ago that he was going to be healthy uh, for the first time this offseason. We interviewed him back in like March. And he said, hey, man, I had gallbladder surgery last year. 
and got down to 160 pounds, which is crazy. And then he had to like rehab and get ready and, and, and back again for the season. If he stays healthy through this preseason, I think Clyde is going to sniff the Pro Bowl. And that being the case, I just don't think I don't think anyone else is going to touch him. I think he's rolling for 16, 1700 yards from scrimmage. I think he's the clear cut number one. I think he's healthy, like you mentioned. We we heard about the gallbladder surgery, the offseason. All the other guys seem replaceable in the Kansas City Chiefs backfield. Jared McKinnon does a couple things well, right? I like McKinnon, but we have, I think, a little bit of an overinflated value because of what he did in the playoffs. Yep. Where was that for the full season? Yep. Ronald Jones the second. If he was that good, he would still be in Tampa Bay. He wouldn't let Leonard Fournette, who struggled, yep. struggled with the Jags, right? He took his job and they didn't look back. They also brought in Giovanni Bernard. Ronald yeah. Jones the second is very one-dimensional. I like it. I think as a whole, this backfield has a lot of versatility, and I think they did a good job piecing it together. But who was one player who can play all three downs consistently? That's Clyde. I think Clyde leads his backfield by a wide margin. Yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll say it this way. Isaiah Pacheco is being paid as a seventh-round rookie. McKinnon and Rojo are both being paid barely more than that this year. So if you want to go by, hey, what are the Chiefs expecting from them? Every running back on this roster, except for Clyde, has the sort of deal where they could easily cut them and not even care, like not even worry about it. It's money. It's just a low-level, low-expectation signing. People, when they signed Rojo, treated it like it was some sort of higher-level, higher-expectation signing. But the money involved tells you that is not true. And anyone who buys into that is just buying into some sort of, oh, he's a former second round pick and he did something with the Bucks two years ago kind of thing. So if he does something, that's great. No one's saying otherwise, but that's the truth. Myth or reality, Sterling, the Chiefs will regret paying. Here you go. Here's your chance to be a total hater. The Chiefs will regret paying Orlando Brown top dollar when they look back. Agree, myth or reality? It depends on the definition of top dollar. Are we talking about number one, left tackle, top three, left tackle, or top it's five, be top, left It's going to be top three. It won't okay, be so top Trent three. Williams. It won't be Trent, but Trent is in his own stratosphere in sure. performance and money. Okay. So if it's not Trent, then I'm going to say it's it's myth. I think they will not regret it. If that's the if that's the correct answer, I don't think the Chiefs will regret it if Orlando Brown Jr. is less than Trent Williams. I don't think they will. I don't think he's going to play as a top three left tackle, but I think the money at left tackle is going to start skyrocketing. And if they get him under Trent Williams, that's what I'm nervous for. If they get him at 21, I'm okay with that deal. And that's where I feel like I just try to show show some nuance here. I'm saying the Chiefs have to have an out. If Orlando Brown Jr. is out here demanding 24, out. You're going to start handcuffing yourself, handcapping yourself. You did not overpay Tyreek Hill, who has done so much for the Chiefs organization, who had a good rapport with Mahomes, at least on the field. Who knows if this podcast stuff has been just for views and he's trying to say there was some whatever there was under the water, right? If you don't overpay Tyreek Hill, why are you going to turn around and pay Orlando Brown Jr.? I don't think they're going to regret it unless it's a certain number and that's over Trent Williams money. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. There's some nice nuance there. Um, And I think you're totally right. I think it's a myth. Yeah. They know what they're doing. They've done the math. They know what they're going to offer him. Brown knows what he's getting. Generally speaking, Um, he's still young. The guy is so durable. I mean, you mentioned earlier that he's like Eric Fisher in a good way. That's, that's the good thing, right? I mean, the guy, 
the guy doesn't miss a snap. And the Chiefs are used to Ironmen at the tackle positions. Schwartz and Fisher were both incredibly reliable players in that way. Tell your dog Legarius, I don't really care for him, by the way. That uh, That's a little bananas, the way he was barking at me earlier. I didn't appreciate that. Yeah, he that. was upset, but see, he liked that take. He gave me a little lick. He, he was like, <laughs> and he's like, all right, I can, I can dig that take. Look at the nuance. I will say, or Leonard Brown Jr., I've seen it a few times, he did get better as this season progressed. 100%. I do not disagree there. He was a pro bowler. I feel like that's a little bit of a, if his name was not Orlando Brown Jr., I don't think he would have been a pro bowler. It's a name that people know. I do think it helps when your his father was as good as he was, right? I think that helps. You're going to get more recognition, and I do think that plays a massive role when it comes to the pro bowl. When it comes to all pro, little different. Just ask Mitchell Schwartz. Mitchell Schwartz obviously was the best right tackle, at least top two. Never got a chance, but he got uh, the all pros, never a pro bowl. Uh, I want to ask you a fun one here. Okay. Myth or reality? Leo Chanel ends up as top three on the Chiefs in sacks. Ooh. Boy, that's kind of a sexy one. Because if he does, you're thinking, oh, I love it. Love it for Chanel. At the same time, if he finishes third... That means that probably Jones, Clark, Karloftis, one of those three is not getting the sacks, which makes you think, rut row, something went wrong. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that's a myth. I like Chanel as a potential situational pass rusher. I think he's going to play that role. He had eight sacks last year at the college level, so he could obviously do it. I think it might be a little bit much. I I think maybe people are thinking he's going to get a little bit uh, more reps than he will. I think the Chiefs are a little bit loaded at linebacker, first of all, uh, because what we don't often talk about is the fact that they signed Jermaine Carter um, and Elijah Lee. It's not like just Ben Neiman and then Chanel out there anymore. There's actually a deeper overall unit out there with Gay and and Bolton obviously leading that crew. So I think Chanel isn't going to play probably as much as some people think he will. And then I don't know that the opportunities are going to be there as much as he's learning the defense. If you said he could be a top three sack guy at some point in his rookie contract, I would say reality. But I'm going to take the myth angle on this one. What do you think? The correct answer was actually reality. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And the reason why is who else is going to do it? It's. I think that Leo Chanel is going to be very, very good, right? I, I truly do. But it also comes down to the fact that who else is going to do it? Frank Clark, he's not doing it. Dan is not doing it. Do you trust Malik Herring or Joshua Kando to do it? I think that he's going to be used a lot in blitzing situations. And I think he's going to be the best pass rusher out of, out of those grouping. I get it. He's, he's a linebacker, but he's got more competition. But he's not going up against a whole bunch of, of dudes. I think it's Chris Jones, George K, Leo, and then whoever the hell they get at the trade deadline. That guy's probably going to come in fourth and maybe fifth is Legereus Sneed. I, I, I just don't see, because if he gets six sacks, right? Let's say Leo gets six. You think Frank's getting more than six? If Leo gets six sacks, I will, I mean, I don't know. I would put on a Kimball Landers helmet and run through a wall. I mean, that would be. You heard it. Binding document. But I, I don't know why I said Kimball Landers, by the way. The guy had the best hands for a fullback and was never like running through anything. I should have said Tony Richardson. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, that'd be a great, that'd be a great total, right? Who wouldn't take Leo at six sacks? I mean, because, you know what, last year Frank had four and a half. I mean, if Frank has five and he's fourth, that's actually a decent pass rush. Sure. I'll take it. How many do you think Frank ends up with this year? I think under six. Oh, I'll give him five. I'll give him five and a half. I, maybe, I don't know. I, Frank Clark's an interesting case study right here is, is the 
lack of pressure on him because the massive contract is no longer looming over him, does that free him up to play more free? I, you know I'm talking about where you don't have that contract, so you're thinking every single position or every single play, I got to get there or else I'm going to get just bleeped by the fans. I think he might be able to play a little more free. I just don't think that he has that much left in the tank. We saw him take plays off at times last year. That motor that was never supposed to quit looked like my Jeep outside that needs work. I mean, it quit. (laughs) It fucking quit. So I just can't with good conscience sit here and be like, yeah, Frank Clarkson have a bounce back season. Until he does it, I can't predict that. I certainly understand the sentiment. I just feel, feel bullish about Clyde on the offensive side. I feel bullish about Clark on the defensive side. I just I think I think Clark ends up with a healthy six to eight sacks. I don't think Leo gets four. I just I mean I think Leo gets two or three this year. I and I just think I think that's just the nature of being a rookie. I hope you have a good drywall guy because you'll you're gonna you'll be running straight through that bad boy. I'll be happy to do that. I'll be happy to do that. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sterling, myth or reality? The Chiefs are going to miss... Tyron's leadership on this defense. I'm gonna his leadership, I will go reality. His play, I will go myth. But okay. since we're focusing just on leadership, I will I will say yes. I think he did a very good job of being the player, the the bridge, if you will, between the defense and Steve Spagnolo. There's a reason why Steve Spags just trusted him so much. There's a reason. His play, I don't think so. He he just didn't put his nose in there. He he took plays off. I think his leadership, though, is going to make a difference. I think Nick Bolton will take over for Anthony Hitchens. I think that's going to be a very smooth transition when it comes to leadership in the linebacking core. But when it comes to the secondary, a lot of new pieces, a lot of new guys, a lot of youth, a lot of inexperience. Tyron, I think, could have could have helped. I, are you going to go with Justin Reed because of the contract? Are, are you going to go with Juan Thornhill because he's been in the system? You know, even Shavarius Ward, just secondary in general, he's gone. Yeah. Uh, he's a long, longer tenured Chiefs player in the secondary. So I think they'll miss his leadership to a, to a decent degree. Yeah, there, there's a lot. There are years and years and years, well over a decade of experience now missing from that secondary. A lot of that is Sorensen's, what, eight or nine years alone with the team. Uh, but there's a lot of experience gone. I, I totally understand that. I think we may see some real miscues uh, in the secondary. But I will say this. Did we did we see this last year, by the way? I remember watching the secondary last year, and guys were totally out of position, missed assignments. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, what, like, who's coaching you? What's going on? And that was a group of veterans. That was a group of veterans. So at the same time, I don't want to pretend that, like, Tyron was out there making sure everything was a well-oiled machine. 
it looked like a children's slip and slide out there for the first five weeks on occasion, guys lining up wrong or whatever. So let's not pretend that like having Tyron means everything is like nice and orderly. That wasn't the case last year. And if this unit needs a few weeks to get ready, like they need to be reminded that the same was true uh, last year. No, I agree. But I think a lot of that came down to athleticism. I think that came down to Dan Sorensen and Tyron Matthew. A lot of that was them being over the hill. Uh, Dan Sorensen and Tyron Matthew have done phenomenal things for this Kansas City Chiefs organization, but they were old. They were getting burnt. It wasn't just a, they didn't know where to be. They probably did know where to be. They couldn't yeah. get there. That yeah. was the main issue. I, I totally get that. I totally get that. Uh, by the way, one of my favorite comments here comes from KL368. A little late comment, but if Chanel gets six sacks, I'll rename <laughs> my firstborn daughter Leopold. I, I gotta admit, I gotta admit, I'm I'm with it. I'm with I'm with that one. Uh, six sacks, rookie, part-time linebacker. Look, your dog's loving that one too. Your dog loves your takes. I, I'm I'm not sure. He's it's only ac- occasionally, very occasional. He'll just get up here and like, oh yeah, no, that's a good take. I like that one. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Hey, uh, I got one for you. Myth or reality? Edge rusher remains a position for the Chiefs of great need and let me emphasize let let me let me explain this one nfl.com nfl.com did a list of the 10 biggest roster holes or issues in the entire nfl and they put the chief's edge in right in the middle at number five right which is like that seems crazy to me because well or maybe that's not crazy i guess i'm asking you would you agree with that sentiment that of all the roster issues and all the teams in the nfl the Chiefs edge is one of the top 10. Yeah, reality, 100%. This is a massive, massive need. This is the one spot I'm extremely concerned about. This position group, in my opinion, has the potential to torpedo the season. I- I've said time and time again, the two most important things in the NFL, you got to get the quarterback, and then who can affect the quarterback? The Chiefs have one guy, and that's in the interior, and Chris Jones. I- I- I'm really high on George Karloftis. He's a rookie still. I'm high on Leo Chanel at times, right? But he's a rookie, and for the, a lot of different frameworks we've laid out, it could be difficult for him to get a ton of playing time and a ton of opportunity there. This is a huge need, an incredible need. I'm hoping midseason the Chiefs make some moves. They're not going to keep all those draft picks. All those players, they would, if they were to keep them all and draft all those players – four or five dudes are not making the roster. Those are almost throwaway picks at that point. That's capital to trade for a player. The Chiefs have to have something happen. They have to make a move, hopefully splashy at edge, because this is an incredible need. If the Chiefs issue is that great at edge, then it feels safe to then say it's very irresponsible for them to have the level of talent they have now. Would you agree with that statement? Do you mean as a team? Yeah. Like the Chiefs have not invested enough into the edge position. Is that is that in other words, in other words, if the need is that great, it's irresponsible for a general manager to have done so little mm. to address that need. Disagree. The reason why they have spent some capital there. Breland speaks, Tano Passigno, <laughs> Joshua Kando, fourth rounder, first rounder in in George Columbus. They tried. Whether that was a bad pick as far as they did not get the guy correct from the get-go or was poor regret or just, you know, poor development. It's all in the organization to begin with, but they've tried. They tried with Frank Clark. They gave him a boatload of money. They sent draft picks, high draft picks to Seattle. They've tried, but he regressed like crazy. 
So far, none of the uh, developmental picks have panned out at all. Yeah, they've tried. They've not succeeded. It's a it's a whole other situation. Again, to baseball, if you are a Royals fan, they've spent a lot of draft picks on on starting pitchers. The development has been the main issue. I don't know if it's a Chiefs organization organizational issue where they can't develop or if they can't draft talent. Yeah, uh, man, I I guess I understand that. I to me, if you think the need's that great then the front office should not be resting on their laurels right now. Like, if the need is that great, they need to sign Carlos Dunlap. If the need is that great, they needed to outbid the Dolphins for Melvin Ingram. I mean, like, if the need is that great, you have to step up and meet that need, Mm -hmm. which makes me think that the Chiefs don't believe that sort of press about their own edge rush because they didn't pay a decent price to get Melvin Ingram. Uh, They're doing nothing in terms of Carlos Dunlap or anyone else. At, at this point, they seem to be more comfortable than you are. Sure. They know more than me, too. I mean, they're not all known. Let's be real. If they if they knew everything that was going to happen, y- you would never lose a Super Bowl, right? They know more than me. But at some point, I, I do think there's a case of, I don't know if it's trying to, you hear everything going on and you're like, no, we're doing it our way. Yeah. Brett, Brett Veach hasn't necessarily done that because he did cut ties with Breland Speaks, his first draft pick. He didn't trade it up, all this stuff. So, He's recognized it before in the past, but at some point, is there any case of, I hear what everyone is saying, and I'm trying to prove them wrong. I believe that Joshua Kando, who has been a fourth-round draft pick on, can be this guy. I don't know if there's any of that. You never know. I mean, there are a lot of egos, and typically rightfully so, because they got to a certain spot, but they always want to be right. And I wonder if that's any, any of the case happening at edge. Yeah, I'll float something random out there. He missed all of last season uh, with an Achilles injury that he suffered late in 2020. So he like missed the entire last year. But Olivier Vernon played for Spags before and had great success. And he was looking very productive with nine sacks in his last full season before the Achilles tear. I would be very, very intrigued by a pre-training camp signing of Vernon to bolster that unit as a guy who's familiar with what Spags would be asking him to do. And he's a guy who we're just not we're just really not discussing much at all. Um, so I, I'm hopeful, but yeah, who knows? Since this is the off season, and we have only the most up to date, fun, exciting news to talk about, not Chiefs related, but Matt, I have to ask you: uh, Nickelback gets unfairly hated on, and frankly, they are more enjoyable to listen to than the Eagles. Myth or reality? No, myth. I mean, this is how you remind me of such bad music. <laughs> like, why do we have to play this game? Every time I look at him, it makes me laugh. Every time I look, it makes me laugh. Every time I look, it makes me laugh. Uh, yeah, no, man, they're horrible. They're so bad. What do you like? Yeah. Would you ever go see Nickelback in concert if someone paid you to go? I have. <laughs> uh, Richard, Richard's our producer. Richard, can you shut this down? Can we do something here? Can someone give me technical difficulties again? Because I can't listen to Sterling. I've had a long day, and I fucking hate the Eagles, man. What, dude? Dude, this is this. I I don't even know what to say. I yeah. Harpoon Bakery says get a new partner. I need a new partner. Uh, Sterling's being a witchy woman right now when he needs to take it easy because I like I yeah. Who doesn't love the Eagles? Who doesn't love like? Roll your windows down. Just let that acoustic soft rock goodness roll over. If I want to listen to soft rock, I'm putting on Christopher Cross. Come on now. Steely Dan. Steely Dan has 
way better songs than the Eagles. The Eagles are the most overrated band out there. I'm sorry. It's it's just a, it is what it is. If I want to listen to soft rock, so many other bands out there. If I want to listen to, you know, good music, I'll throw in some Iron Maiden, some Rush, <laughs> some ACDC. You just jumped from like Eagles and Nickelback and then into like. Did the dog interrupt? The dog didn't interrupt. <laughs> this is how we know. Hey, Bailey, are the are the Eagles overrated? That's what I'm Bailey, talking about. Folks. You're, by the way, folks, you're listening to an early July football podcast. That's what you're listening to. <laughs> That's what you're listening to right now. Man, no, I, yeah, I, I do not like Nickelback. I, I'm fine about the Eagles, but, but you brought it up. Yeah. Anyway, I was told I'm over my skis until I perform and show us your chops. I am a drummer. Yeah, they're better than me. I will, I will give you that. But because someone is better than me, doesn't mean I have to listen to, listen to them. For like all the time. Why is Hotel California playing nonstop? Why is Take It Easy on seven radios at the same time? I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I get it if you're saying they're overplayed. You really saw Nickelback in concert? Yeah, I was like, it was Nickelback, Breaking Benjamin. I I almost want to say Motley Crue was there for some reason. Oh, it was well, a now, weird okay. concert. Yeah, it was a weird, it was interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I will say I saw, I saw Cheryl Crow once. Oh, Cheryl Crow. Hell yeah. Dude, I loved it. I loved it. I was like totally shocked. I was like, I don't want, to, I didn't want to be at that part of the show. It was like a weird, like weird pop festival kind of thing. And then it turned into, she's great. She's a great songwriter. Anyway. Yeah. She went to, she's, she went to the university of Missouri. I fucking love Cheryl Crow. I used yeah, to good. try and steal her composite all the time. They bolted <laughs> it down. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about this stuff. What What is going on? Myth or reality? We need to close out this podcast. Uh, this was the Arrowhead Attic Podcast here with Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Connor AA. You can follow me on Twitter at HomestretchKC. We'll have Matt Verderam and Patrick Allen on Thursday next week. Special guest on the Tuesday show. If you, guys li- if you guys like us, drop us a like, uh, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, everything you can do. We appreciate it. Anytime you guys drink KC Beer Co. and you tag us on Twitter, that is massive. We love KC Beer. You will love it too. I hope you guys had a great 4th of July. Stayed safe. Watch some fireworks, drink some beer. Until Thursday, we're out of here. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.